This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. Paul Zolman says he has a new way to use what he calls the love languages to improve customer service and create a more effective sales team. Love? Sales? Really? Mr. Zolman explains his ideas in this episode of Biz News Interviews. Paul, you talk about leading with love. What on earth does that mean? You know, Doug, in my lifetime, I've had a, a lot of opportunities to lead. I've been a CFO of a public company myself, but prior, just prior to that, I was with a, a mortgage company that uh, a servicing company that there were 400 employees there. There was a vice president that I was working with and I was in the, uh, I was called an investor accountant at the time. And what my job was, was to do bank reconciliations for the several investor accounts that they had there. One, I I first started there and, and they gave me several accounts to reconcile. There were probably 40 and I reconciled all, all within two days. So after I'm done, I'm looking around. So what do I do next? Um, and everybody said, everybody's amazed that, you know, they were backlogged. That's why they hired me. And what I did in two days, they, they thought would take a very long time. So I got called into the vice president's office. It was a good thing, I guess. And um, and then there was another vice president there. While I'm in that office, the, they tell me that they have this huge project for me that they want me to reconcile this escrow disbursement account this loan servicing company that I was with was servicing over 200,000 loans at the time. So it was a huge account. They were writing 25,000 checks and this was over 20 years ago. So I only had Excel to be able to, to actually do the reconciliation. Excel at the time, Doug only had 65,000 lines of data. So they were 25,000 checks. They were five months behind. So I had to break this project up into several pieces. What I found is that this vice president that sent me on this job was the very kindest. If I was stumped, I'd just go knock on his door. In less than 30 seconds, he'd get me back straight uh, on the thought process of which direction am I going? Do I reconcile to the bank? Do I reconcile to the statement? Where? Which direction am I going? And it really kind of set me in motion. But his kindness and leading like that in love was the perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about. This can be done. I remember his name to this day. And that person is just really kind of a special person in my mind, a special leader in my mind, that we need more leaders like that in business and all around the world. What happened uh, in your career after that? It sounds very successful at this point. I was successful. My wife decided that after the children were all in school that she wanted to go back to school. So I actually gave that up and we moved uh, quite across the country to uh, uh, the East Coast where she had a scholarship to a culinary arts and a hospitality management type school. Um, She went there, graduated with honors of the top of the class and uh, she did very well there. And so I had actually could not work at remote. You know, it was very early days of remote and it was really, really had a lot of problems, especially it was right when the um, the law came into effect that the CFO of a public company 
had to certify what the accountants and what the bookkeepers were all doing. I couldn't didn't have eyes there on uh, uh, boots on the ground there to be able to see all that. And so I had to actually resign from that position that I had. That sounds like a, a rather stressful time in your career. Is that where you started coming up with this idea about leading with love or or what? It, no, it, I, the idea of leading with love wasn't my idea. It was actually this vice president's idea and his example that said that this really is a better way. Doug, I, I grew up in an angry culture myself. So that angry culture um, it, it includes abuse, abuse of many kinds, social um, economic, uh, physical, sexual, lots of different kinds of abuse in my childhood where I grew up. The angry culture also doesn't have any boundaries. They'll talk over one another. They'll they'll have put put downs. So they put people down so that they feel like that raises them up. And there's a control issue there. And that's just the angry culture has all vocabulary, all the, the angry humor, the sarcastic humor, biting humor that really, really is hurt. I wanted to get out of that. And so as I'm in, as I grew up in that culture, I'm really ultra focused on finding something better. I, there's got to be something better. And I'm thinking that, and I'm, I'm, and I'm age 17 and 18, like any 17 or 18 year old does, I'm, I'm deciding I don't want to be like my parents. I'm going to do exactly what my parents didn't do. I'm going to do other things. And, and it just that's what 18, 17, 18 year olds kind of make that, that thing, that promise to themselves that they're going to uh, be different than their parents. What I found though, um, Doug, was that my, my father would, would have anger spouts and it would mostly be targeted toward me. I'm number 10 of 11 children. And, and so they would have a date every week. My father was a truck driver, gone during the week, home on Fridays, dated my mother every single Friday. I love that about my father. I can't, I can't even duplicate that in my own life. So when that, they, the, my father wasn't very creative about the date, though. It was always at the Maverick bar, always over alcohol. And I can imagine, I was never there, but I can imagine my mother, father saying, well, how was your week? How was your week? And then my mother starting at the oldest child, going all the way down. My father's getting annoyed, 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 stacking these annoyances. By the time she's to number 10, he's ready to blow. And I'm I'm the target. And so I'm I'm a I'm kind of a thorn between two roses, Doug. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And so, you know, I'd either get the belt or or spanking. You know how my father valued women by taking his wife out my mother out every every friday night he valued those daughters of his too there were only two all the rest are boys and so i'm between them and if i look cross-eyed at him i'm in trouble i was in big trouble most of the time so that's kind of kind of what led me in the direction that i went doug is that you know i was trying to keep the rules i was trying to be a good boy at that time and I, I, when I was 17, I took this career test that said I'm going to be an excellent IRS agent just to be able to make people keep rules because that's what my whole life was about is trying to keep the rules. So instead of instead of IRS, I went went through accounting. Accounting has rules, too. And that's how I arrived at the accounting spot that I went to. It, it's very surprising you didn't uh, take that anger with you in your business career. 
Well, actually, I did. I, 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 I had residual anger, but I was. I found out that I had the same habit, Doug, as my father. That I would be annoyed, 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 and stack these annoyances until I uh, would have this flash of anger. And it's terrible when it happens in public, but it's it's even worse if it when it happens in private. And when whenever it happens, you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know when you're to the top of the stack. You don't know when that that next just little tiny detail might be the straw that breaks that camel's back. And I think that business wise. I think that there are leaders like that out there that really need to be removed. We need more loving leaders that will just be kind and just say, well, why don't you try it this way? Or that will make suggestions that that will really help people feel like they are loved in the environment. I believe, Doug, that people don't quit jobs. They quit people. They quit being with other people. They don't want to be with that person because of the way they act. It was that way for me too. And and it caused this anger problem that I had really kind of caused the demise of my first marriage. After 23 and a half years and eight children, now I'm I'm single. And and that's kind of kind of the story. I became single and uh you know I, I had primary custody of the remaining five children that were in the home. You have mentioned, speaking of five, that there are five love languages. What do you mean by that? What are they and why? So back in, in 1992, there was a book called, published by a Dr. Gary Chapman. He's a pastor, and he said that these love languages actually reconcile to the life of Jesus Christ. But in that, in that book, he, he, he defines the theory that everybody has a primary love language. One way specifically, more than any other way, one way specifically that everybody likes that, that that person likes to be loved not everybody but it's different for everybody so dr chapman identified those five ways that people like to be loved and you, you're familiar with them i'm sure i'm sure you are some people liked the touch some people like the words some people like to be served some people liked a gift and then the other people like just hanging out, spending time. You don't even have to talk. Just sit here with me. Let's watch this movie together or whatever. They like time. So I created, I, I tried to learn the five love languages, but from where I came from, Doug, it wasn't working for me. I came from an angry background and I was trying to learn love. I didn't get it. I went through the book four or five times. At the end of that, you could have offered me a million dollars to name the five love languages and I wouldn't get it. I, maybe I could name three at the time, but I just did. It, I went through the book, but the book didn't go through me. And it was just, it didn't incorporate. So there was problems, Doug. Um, you meet Dr. Chapman that if I guess what Doug's love language is and cater to that, you're going to call that love? That doesn't sound like love. That sounds like a manipulation. That sounds, it sounds terrible. That wasn't working, and and I'm a bad guesser. I'm not going to guess what Doug's love language is right off the bat. Maybe with a little experience, I might be able to, but it wasn't happening. Second thing that Dr. Chapman has said, well, if you take this survey, you can find out what your love language is. Well, Doug, what am I supposed to do that? Market it? Advertise? Hello, Doug, I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? I mean, here's my Venmo. 
you know, Venmo, my Venmo, uh, you know, I just, I, I like gifts. That wasn't working either. That was so awkward. So what I realized though, even as dysfunctional a dog as our family was growing up, I liked playing games and the games brought our family together. There was still all the put downs, still all the smack talk, still all the aggressive competition, but we, we were together. And I thought, well, maybe I can make this a game. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and asked him, are you licensing those little icons, those little pictures you have for each one of the love languages? And after a little while, his attorney wrote me back and said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I have a friend that was a copyright attorney, a intellectual property attorney here in my town. I went to him and described this idea that I had. He told me this. He said, theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. So the way you send that theory out is, is so that's when I came up with the, with the cube. I came up with the artwork and put it on, on the die. There's just two instructions. Roll the cube every day, whatever it lands on, that's the love language you send out all day that day, all day to everyone. So in a business setting, what you're looking for is you're watching for opportunities to send out kindness, just decency. Does it, if you call it love in a workplace, you may get in trouble. Call it kindness or call it, call it just a, a care and concern for that other person. Whatever you want to call it, that's what you're doing that day. What you're watching for, Doug, is for them to light up. When they light up, that is how you discover what their primary or their, their secondary love language might be. No longer do you have to say, excuse me, could we pause this relationship for just a moment while I have you take this survey so I know that I love you? It's awkward. You don't have to do that anymore. Well, there, there goes the guy who sells all those clipboards. He's going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, you well, you have uh, you have put a lot of your thoughts into a book. Uh, tell us about that. What's the name, and what do you have in it? Yeah, so the name of name of the book is called The Role of Love, and it's a what it is. It's a new description of the new philosophy and the new application of this uh, of the five love languages. It really is new. Most of what Dr. Chapman talks about is romantic love. I'm, I'm really kind of, I, I didn't, I was single at the time. I didn't have a significant other, Dr. Chapman. Who am I going to love? And I realized I have to love everybody. But for me, this was, this was pivotal, Doug, because <clears throat> what my attitude before was, the angry culture attitude was, what's wrong with that person? Why don't they do things right? As if I had ability to manage someone else's life. I realized that's a boundary that I didn't even have that I needed to draw, make it a hard line boundary. I'm not in charge of them. Oh, what a relief. I don't have to worry about what they're doing. And then I stopped being annoyed. I realized I was focusing on maybe 10, maybe 20% of what that person's faults or weaknesses might be. Missing, totally missing their their assets, totally missing what they're good at and not even focusing on that, focusing on the, the negative. What's wrong with that person? What this did, rolling the dice now says, what's right with that person? What can I love about that person? And it's a whole paradigm shift. I'm looking the opposite direction. 
once I was looking what was wrong, now I'm looking what was right, what is right with that person. And while I'm doing that and focused on that 80 to 90% of that person that is really good, I am so busy watching that 80 to 90%, I, I forgot to be annoyed. I'm not stacking annoyances anymore to get to that flash of anger. What's happening, Doug, is I'm stacking kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness, on top of kindness to get to those higher laws of love, of charity, or compassion, or mercy, or forgiveness, or empathy, or sympathy. All those are higher laws of love. The love languages are basic. Everybody needs this basic foundation. So what happens over a 30-day period is you learn all five love languages forward and backwards. The best part about that is that it improves your communication skills. So now, instead of only being able to see your own love language come back to you, you have the peripheral vision to see all of them. Oh, they're loving on me. It's not my primary love language, but I can respond to that love they're sending out. It absolutely improves that communication gap that is very prevalent in the world today. Now, where can our listeners and viewers get more information? Do you have a website, perhaps? Absolutely. I've, I've got a website. It's called rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love. I did, Doug, a play on words. You R-O-L-L the die or the, the cube outside of you. You change within. That's the role of love. That love will change you within as it has changed me. I went through this transformation, and once I found this tool and this replacement behavior, instead of anger, now I practice love. Once I found this replacement behavior, I forgot to be angry. I forgot that uh, that other habit. Now it's more loving habits all day, every day. I've had this copyrighted for about seven years now, Doug, and it's it's just having that copyright and doing it every single day for all those seven years, it's a whole lot easier now to love and send love out and watch people light up and discover what their love language is, take a mental note for that person, then wash, rinse, repeat. Just makes me a better leader in every regard. This is what we're talking about, that this is going to help the leaders of an organization, but it doesn't only help the leaders. It helps the employees too. If an employee finishes their work like I did in that company, that loan servicing company I was talking about, and was looking around asking everybody else for work to help them with their projects because I was done with mine. That's the type of attitude we really need the employees to have. This can get you to that point. The second, there's there's a second and a third part. The second part is that if you're having issues with customer service. This love language discovery is something that will really help. You can detect what a love language is by just talking with a person, just listening to how they talk. And when if a astute customer service individual discovers what their love language is and helps them through their own love language, through that language, understand what the company policy is, your customer's going to be happy. The, the customer service person is going to be happy because now they've made somebody happy. It's wonderful for customer service people to help other people be happy, their customers be happy. That customer is going to come back. They're going to buy more products. This is going to really 
hit the bottom line. Eventually, it'll, and it'll be quick, but it'll hit the bottom line that those customers will love talking to John. Come talk to John. He's the very best, best customer service rep. Ask for John. The, the next thing that would happen, just think of your sales staff. If they can discover within the sale who what the love language is of that potential customer then and cater to that, then that sale is going to go well. The conversation is going to go a lot better. You're going to have just that synergy there. That's going to be a customer forever because they understand each other. You have made many good points uh, in our conversation. What would you like to add, though, that I have not asked you? One thing that um, I, I like to um, say is I'm, I'm actually looking for corporate partners to help me put this in the school system. What happens at, in the school system is that I'm testing it now with K through six. And what they do, uh, the kindergartners, maybe, maybe they can read, maybe they can't. But they're all, you'll notice that on the cube, they're all pictures. And I've tested it with different families. Even a four-year-old could understand what it means for each, each um, little icon. So as you're rolling the die, it only takes two seconds at the beginning of the day in the classroom. The teacher might take 30 or 45 seconds to explain class. This is the type of behavior we're looking for today. At the end of the day, I've got a journal, a PDF of this journal page that says what they rolled, opportunities they saw to love in that way, what they did about those opportunities. What it becomes for that child is a love journal. At the end of first grade, now they have a love journal. At the end of third grade, they have a love journal. But more importantly, it actually is an accounting for their behavior all day long. Now, if that child understands they're responsible for their own behavior, they're going to toe the mark. They're going to be very kind. They're going to watch for opportunities to love. They're not going to be faced this other direction looking for what's wrong with Johnny or what's wrong with Mary or Susie. They're not going to be looking at that. They're going to be looking at what's right with that person. What can I love about that person? Keep that focal attitude focused on what's right about the people. It develops in these, especially in these youth, develop that, that attitude of watching for what's right about people. They do it first through or kindergarten through sixth grade. They're going to have a huge uh, advantage for people that don't have that. So I'm looking for corporate partners to help with that. That journal at the end of the day is that reporting mechanism. The teacher will put a check mark, say, yeah, Johnny did it, send it home. Those astute parents will keep that in chronological order at the end of that year, probably bind that journal so that now Johnny has a journal for first grade. I would have loved to have a journal like that, Doug, for myself. I remember my first grade teacher, Mrs. Rogers. And I remember her because I probably felt kindness. It was a huge contrast from my own family situation. And I probably absolutely loved that. I don't remember second, third, fourth, or fifth grade. Didn't have that great of impact on me. I do remember sixth grade. But just the, the whole idea that this is going to be a, 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 a document, so to speak, of what you did and why you loved that first grade teacher. Put that in writing. And it'll be something you want to share with your children or grandchildren. And at a certain point in time, it'll be a love legacy journal. You can keep that as an executive in, in, in the, or, or as an employee in a business. 
keep track of why you love this company. And you go back and look at that for, for a company to have those, those lines of why that employee loves the company. That's something that they can publish. They can put it on social media. They can put it on and get likes, so to speak, and send that out and actually get more business because the employees really like working at this company. If, if employees like working at a company, they're never going to have a problem trying to get employees for that company. People will flock to, to businesses that have a wonderful, loving atmosphere. And that's that's kind of what, what we're talking about. So the school sponsorship is something I'm looking for. Uh, maybe just one one last thing. This is, this is really, Doug, what I like to call, we're talking about languages. We're, I like to call this... Uh, called to mind a, a word that comes from the Sanskrit dialect in Northern India. And it's uh, it's where we get uh, uh, the words like nirvana or karma. But the word I want to talk about is namaste. You, in a yoga class, they'll put their hands together like that, the thumb to the chest, bow their head, close their eyes, and say namaste. It doesn't translate to mean, hey, y'all, class is over. Does it mean that? What it does mean is that that the God in me, the this is the Hindu interpretation or the Hindu translation, God in me sees the God in you, or the divine in me sees the divine in you. We're to watch for what's right about people. That's what we're here for. We're not their judge. And once we realize that and we stay in our lane to remember what's right about that person, make it about them. And by making someone else's day, there's great satisfaction that comes to the person that does that. That's what we're looking for. Employers and employees, we can make each other's day. Let's make it happen. You've been watching the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. Thanks for watching.